0: This episode of the Impact Makers podcast is sponsored by Workplace from Meta. Everybody's talking about the metaverse these days, but Workplace from Meta is different. I mean, the clue's in the name, right? Workplace is a business communication tool that uses features like instant messaging and video calls to help people share information. Think Facebook before your company. It's part of Meta's vision for the future of work, a future in which your job isn't just something you do, but something you experience a future in which we'll all feel more present, connected, and productive. Start your journey into the future of work at workplace.com forward slash future. Do you want to be a leader who gets noticed, gets things done, and gets real results? Then you need influence and authority. Join host Jennifer McClure to learn how to build authority, expand your influence, and increase your impact. This is the Impact Makers Podcast with Jennifer McClure. Hey there, Impact Makers. As we close out 2022, I'm focusing this month on how I can best prepare myself and you for a successful 2023. In my world, this time of year is typically filled with prediction posts and podcasts where thought leaders share what they believe will be the challenges and opportunities ahead in the new year related to the world of work. Since my focus is on preparing leaders like you to embrace the future of work and to develop the skills necessary to lead with impact, Instead of making predictions that may or may not come true, I thought I'd share with you 10 areas that I believe are critical for leaders to focus on in order to lead with impact in the future of work. So let's get right to it. Number one, fight for flexibility for your team members. All of the talk over the last couple of years has been about whether or not people want to work from home or work in the office. And if you've been listening to my podcast recently, you know that I think it's much more about flexibility at work instead of where people actually work. All of your employees want flexibility, but not all of them are able to work from home. People want to work effortlessly where, when, and however they want and again, not everyone can do that. Some people are tied to a factory production line, and some people are frontline workers that need to meet with customers. But 40% of respondents in McKinsey, McKinsey's Great, Attrition, Great Attraction Survey that was published in 2021, late 2021, said that flexibility was the number one reason that employees accepted their current job. I would imagine over the course of 2022, that number only rose. More and more people are seeking and needing flexibility in order to be able to manage their personal lives, their work lives, and to try to find some meaning and fulfillment of it all. Now, often, if you are a leader who manages, again, hourly team members or frontline team members, you may say that's not possible. But I can tell you that according to shift board state of the hourly worker report, scheduling is the number one complaint of hourly workers and the number one cause of turnover. And 85% of hourly workers who participated in that survey reported that scheduling affects their overall job satisfaction. Now as a leader, if you have frontline employees or hourly employees that experience these same issues, that's obviously critical to success in your work and your workplace. So it's no longer something that we as leaders can push aside and either not focus on for our employees or find ways to help them find flexibility. There are tools and apps and resources out there for hourly workers to be able to have flexibility in their workplace. And if you have knowledge workers or team members that do work in an office, it's up to you and your company's leadership to really think about how you can add flexibility into work. That may include a hybrid work schedule. That may include working from home some days. It may include having office spaces where people can collaborate and come together, whatever that means to you and your team. But it's important that you as a leader really take on the idea of providing flexibility to your employees on your team where you can and to lead in the discussions that happen in your workplace. So again, let's focus on flexibility instead of work from home or where people work, and I think that's a high priority for leaders in the future of work, and in particular in 2023. Number two, prioritize career growth and development opportunities for your people. According to GLOAT Research Group's Great Resignation 2.0 report, the number one reason given by employees who took a new job as to why they would leave again is lack of career development opportunities. So they may have left you or their previous workplace because they wanted more money or they wanted to work more from home, but once they got there, we know that people are starting to leave once again, and the number one reason that they're giving for doing that is lack of career development opportunities. That same survey from GLOAT revealed that 54% of employees surveyed reported that their employers either don't take their future interests and aspirations into consideration enough or not at all. To be the leader that people want to work for, you need to have a laser focus on helping them to grow in their careers and develop the skills that they would like to develop, not only to do their current job better, but to develop skills for future jobs. Again, you've heard me talk about it in recent podcasts, and I'm sure that if you're reading some of the predictions going forward into the future, you know that growth and development has long been a priority for people at work, But people of all generations are viewing it differently today. They want to acquire new skills. They want opportunities to explore new ways of working in their current job, their current role. And if they don't find it in their current place of employment, they're going to go elsewhere. So if you want to be a leader who makes an impact at work and retains the employees on the team that you want to retain and is able to attract people to work for you on your team, then you must focus on prioritizing career growth and development opportunities for your people. Number three, help your people connect with meaning and purpose in their work. Again, this is something we've long said maybe millennials or the younger generations were much more interested in than the older generations, but I think the pandemic and its effects on us as humans in the workplace have really brought to the front of work people's minds or people's mindsets that they want to have some meaning and purpose in their work. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we can all save lives every day in the work that we do, but we have to be able to help people connect the work that we do to something meaningful in the world. According to Gallup research, a 10% improvement in employees' connections with the mission or purpose of their organization can lead to an 8.1% decrease in turnover and a 4.4% increase in profitability. I like to throw out numbers and stats, obviously, if if you've been listening, but I think it's meaningful to understand that helping people to connect with meaning and purpose in their work could decrease turnover and increase profitability. Our leaders want to know that this is not just touchy-feely stuff, but that it makes bottom-line business sense. I've long quoted Laszlo Bach, the current CEO and co-founder of Humu and former Google SVP of People Operations. Pretty simple one-line quote. The single biggest thing you can do as a leader is make work feel meaningful. And I believe that. I think we all want to show up every day and feel like the work that we do matters. It definitely impacts employees' engagement and can make a difference into whether or not they want to stay or go elsewhere to explore an opportunity to find meaning. So how do you help employees find meaning? Well, it can start with your organization's purpose and have you clearly defined it? And are you as a leader able to tell a story and create a vision for your team and your employees to help them connect with this? Some good examples that I share in terms of purpose statements for organizations that are easier to connect with meaning, nourishing families so they can flourish and thrive. That's Kellogg's purpose statement. It's not we make cereal, it's nourishing families so they can flourish and thrive. So if I'm showing up to help people get nourishment and thrive in their lives, that's much more meaningful to me than making food products. We fulfill dreams of personal freedom. That's Harley Davidson's purpose statement. It's helpful for people to show up and think about the lifestyle that they're helping someone to create or the hobby that they're helping someone to participate in that they're passionate about. And then, again, one of my favorites, I've shared it here before, is we help people get jobs. That's Indeed.com. And it really helped their workforce to connect with the work that needed to be done during the pandemic and immediately following the onset of the pandemic when job postings went practically to zero. And Deed's purpose wasn't just to post jobs online, it was to help people get jobs and they were able to rally their team around continuing to do that during a radically different time. So Whether that's reading books about purpose or understanding how to, you know, take some classes on purpose and meaning at work, as a leader, it's really important for you to help your employees connect with meaning and purpose in their work. Again, it makes bottom line business sense, not just good touchy-feely sense. Number four, commit to real change in action with your diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging efforts. This is particularly important if you're a C-level leader or a leader on the executive team in your organization, as many of you are. We have to move beyond just saying that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging are important. And I know over the last couple of years in particular, many organizations have made real positive steps forward in terms of their efforts, but we still have a lot of organizations and leaders paying lift service to the fact that it is important. So how do you commit to real change in your organization? And if you can't necessarily impact your whole organization based on where you sit, you can within your team, you can set meaningful goals in relationship to diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. Goals that measure beyond numbers of race, sex, you know, position in life, et cetera, and and making sure that you have diversity on teams, but making sure that you are setting goals to show your commitment, to be involved in the community, to help bring up underrepresented Groups in your community or in your organization, but setting some meaningful goals so that then you can track progress against those goals and hold leaders accountable is critical to making sure that any initiative in your company actually is successful. If you look at the diversity, equity, and inclusion companies that are awarded uh, for their efforts each year, you'll often find that their executives are incentivized on their DEI efforts. They're incentivized on how many organizations they participate in in the community to help bring awareness to diversity, equity, inclusion, both in their community and in their company. They're incentivized on how many employee resource groups they either participate in or sponsor or that their employees are involved in. There are meaningful ways to measure diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, and also meaningful ways to incentivize your leaders to ensure that those efforts are a focus area and that they are acted upon. Again, you can Google diversity, equity, and inclusion award winners, and then dig a little deeper into some of the steps that those organizations take to make sure that their leaders show that it's a priority. You can also learn more by listening to Impact Makers episode number 51, The Value of Taking a Strategic Approach to Diversity, Equity and Inclusion with my guest Jennifer Ingham. That was a great episode where Jennifer's approach is much more, again, about moving beyond tracking numbers related to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, but making sure that it's a focus area and a strategic priority. So if you haven't listened to that episode, it's been a while, I'd encourage you to go back and take a listen to episode 51, and I've linked to that in the show notes. Number five priority that I think leaders need to focus on to make an impact in the future of work in 2023 and beyond is to invest in your leaders, specifically your frontline supervisors. Again, if you're a leader that has uh, leaders that report into you, or if you're in HR or people operations where you're responsible for helping to develop those people in your organization, investing in those frontline supervisors is where the rubber really hits the road. Yes, we all want to have professional development for our leaders to ensure that they're growing, they're staying on top of trends, etc. But your frontline supervisors, the people in your organization that have maybe the largest teams in the organization or the people who are at the lowest levels in the organization, they are the ones that truly make a difference in terms of making sure that your culture is represented in the organization, making sure that the values are lived in your organization, that you're Majority of your people feel cared for and appreciated in the organization. These are the people that are truly critical to ensuring that we're able to achieve organizational success. I've long said that I believe the HR people in the organization are the most important employees in the organization because I believe that they impact every aspect of the people experience in the organization. And I think that's long been a critical factor of organizational success. But when you want to make sure that we are living up again to our values that we're keeping our culture alive and active to what we want it to be and that we are attracting recruiting and retaining and developing employees in the organization as we would like to it's those frontline supervisors where that really makes a difference and again I'm going to bring a stat in here from Gallup and I've linked to this report in the show note as well but I think it's a staggering statistic Gallup found, based on a meta-analysis of 100 million employee interviews, so that sounds pretty statistically valid, 70% of the variance between the highest engaged teams and persistently disengaged teams is just the manager. Truly, the biggest gains in your business will come from hiring and training the right managers who care for, develop, and maximize the strengths of every single employee on their team. As you're looking at your development budgets for 2023 and beyond, I think you should prioritize making sure that your frontline supervisors, your middle managers, those who really are out there every day leading people in your organization, have focus on them to be developed and to grow into better leaders. The number six area that I think you should focus on is to focus on skills identification and development. Now this might move into more of a prediction for me, it probably was a prediction for 2021, But we are definitely moving to, we're already in the phase in organizations where the focus is on skills rather than hiring someone who's done the exact same job or had the exact same title. That's harder to do these days, but it's also jobs are changing so rapidly and the skills that are needed to do those jobs continue to change and will change in the future. And also, we're not necessarily able to bring in fully baked employees. So how can we hire people with the right attitude and aptitude and develop them in the future? And then also important, maybe even more important, is how do we grow and develop our existing workforce into the jobs that will be in our organization in the future? both because their own jobs will be changing and evolving, but also to help them with their career development. What skills do they have today that they can develop to grow into future roles and or what skills do they need to develop in order to grow into future opportunities in the company? A quote from Jonas Priesing, the chairman and CEO of Manpower Group, is one that I share in some of my presentations. And his quote is helping people to pre-skill, upskill, and reskill for in-demand roles is the skills revolution that is the defining challenge of this decade. It was important before the pandemic, and it's even more critical now to create a better workplace where everyone is able to unleash their full human potential and have a more equitable share in the prosperity. I think it's really important that if you're a people leader or you have people in your organization that you begin to do research, and I'll share more in the future around this topic in the future, but focusing on understanding the skills that both you have, that your team members have, and what skills are necessary to do the jobs in your team and in your organization is going to be critical for having the right people on your team, growing people on your team in the future and being able to upskill and reskill the employees that you have to be able to remain with the company. If you want to learn more about skills and their importance in the development, again, I'm going to recommend another Impact Makers episode. That's episode number 64, Creating Career Pathways to Unlock Opportunity for the Workforce of the Future with Matthew Daniel. Matthew is an expert on this topic of skills, skills development and internal mobility, and he shares a lot of that. Um, expertise with us in that episode. So I've linked to this episode again in the show notes, or you can just scroll back to episode 64 with Matthew Daniel to learn more about the importance of focusing on skills, identification and development. Number seven area to focus on as a leader in the future of work is to really see your people. When I say see them, that means to show them appreciation, to give them recognition and to value differences. More than ever before, people are showing up as their whole selves into the workplace and they're likely going to be different than you. They're going to be different from other people on their team. And in the past, we often expected people to conform to either our thoughts or our values in order to be able to participate in the team. But we just can't do that anymore. Number one, it doesn't allow people to bring their best self to work and to do their best work. And it's really important back to the diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging efforts that we are able to see people for who they are, allow them to be who they are in the workplace and to value differences instead of allowing differences to separate us. So again, to see your people, I think it's really important that you prioritize recognition and appreciation efforts. Ideally in your organization in 2023 and beyond, but certainly if you are a leader of one person, if you're a coworker of other people on your team, there's really everyone in the organization needs to focus on recognition and appreciation, but it's critically important again for leaders. According to the results of a SurveyMonkey bonusly survey that was done last year, 63% of employees who are regularly recognized are very unlikely to look for a job in the next six months. So again, you want to attract, recruit, retain people in your organization and in your team. Showing them appreciation and recognition, recognizing their efforts is going to go a long way to helping you to do that. In that same survey by SurveyMonkey and Bonusly, 89% of employees who are rarely recognized are open to accepting a new job. So both the ability to retain people and also The possibility of losing people is directly related to appreciation and recognition, according to that survey, and I think you would find that in your own workplace as well. And McKinsey also shared a great study last year, their Great Attrition, Great Attraction survey, and I've linked to that in the show notes, and the number one reason that they found in their survey of several thousand people, the number one reason why people left a job without another one in hand, was an uncaring leader. Uncaring, meaning that they didn't feel appreciated, they didn't feel like the leader saw them for who they were, all of the reasons that you as a leader need to focus on how you can better appreciate your people, recognize them for their efforts, and see them for who they are. Number eight area to focus on is growing yourself. A lot of what I've talked about in the prior seven are around making sure that you, as a leader of your company or of your team, are focused on the best efforts where you can attract, recruit, and retain, and develop the talent that you have. But to do that, you also need to focus on your own personal growth and development. So I really want you to own your personal development. You certainly probably are sitting down with your leadership at this time of year and talking about areas that you want to grow into or skills you want to develop in the future. And some of that hopefully will be committed to paper and goal tracking and regular status update meetings with your leadership. But it's really important for you to own your own personal development. Set your own goals for personal development. How many books do you want to read in 2023? What type of podcasts do you want to listen to that are specifically focused on areas that you want to grow and develop in? What conferences do you want to attend? What types of people do you want to meet and intentionally interact with, whether that's a weekly lunch meeting with peers or a mastermind group that you want to join or courses that you want to take to grow certain skills? Set goals for your personal development, track your progress and hold yourself accountable. And in part of holding yourself accountable means rewarding yourself when you achieve those goals and also resetting goals if you're falling behind on your progress. I want you to challenge yourself to learn aspects of the business or leadership that are not within your current responsibilities. What are some ways that you can broaden your knowledge and your expertise to become a more valuable partner in your business and a better leader for your employees? I want you to focus on growing yourself as a top priority for 2023 and beyond. Number nine, also in the you category, I want you to focus on developing your influence. I've long said that influence is the key to unlocking everything you ever wanted as a leader in the workplace. I think it was Zig Ziglar, that's my one of my favorite quotes, said, if you want to get anything in life, help enough other people get what they want to get what you want. I've butchered that quote, but it's basically if you want to get what you want, help others get what they want. That really defines, I think, what influence is. And people can tend to take that and say, well, that's manipulation or that's using people. No, when you come at it with a heart for helping others – get what they want, truly helping others, then you'll see that reciprocity come to you, karma, the universe, whatever you want to call it. But developing your influence by investing in relationships in your organization and, and beyond your organization. So the other leaders in your organization, how are you investing in them? How are you investing in the relationships with your people? How are you investing in the relationship with your boss? How are you investing in the relationships with peers in your industry or in your same job or your role? Find three to five people that you really can invest in to develop your influence. Developing influence means that people want to hear your thoughts, opinions, your ideas. Build trust in your relationships. Make sure that you are a person whose word is impeccable, that you are someone that can be trusted with other people's thoughts, ideas, that they can bounce things off of you and know that it's a safe space to do that. And it's also important that you share your ideas. Don't just sit and take it all in and then wait for decisions to be made, but really participate in discussions, share your ideas, add your influence and impact to the discussions in your organization. I've long shared, probably since 2008 or 9, a quote that I read on a friend's blog years ago, again, probably 2008 or 9. And the friend is Neil Morrison, who's the former group HR director at Penguin Random House. And now he's the group HR director at Severn Trent Water in the UK, which both of these are obviously very large companies. So Neil knows a thing or two about leadership and people leadership. And his quote in that blog post that just really hit me that I think captures a lot of what influence is and how I did a lot of influence. Influence, gaining influence wrong for the first part of my career, the quote is: "You don't get influence through control. You get influence through other people's positive experience of you. You get influence through people wanting you involved, not by telling them you have to be." I love that you get influenced by people wanting you involved saying, hey, let's bring Jennifer into this discussion. She has a lot of thoughts on this or she can share some ideas or she's always good to ask questions. But it also comes back to that again, investing in relationships, building trust, sharing your ideas. You want to be someone that people want to be in the room when critical decisions are being made or discussed. You want to be the person that when someone is looking to make an important move in their career, they value your opinion. So you don't get influence through control, according to Neil. You get influence through other people's positive experience of you. It's funny whenever I share that quote on a slide in one of my presentations, and I have his Twitter link or his you know LinkedIn profile up there, where people will often you know share it. So I always say, always give Neil Morrison credit. That's a great quote, and I love it. Really helps me to understand what true influence is. And then finally, number 10, to close this out for 10 things that I think you should focus on in 2023 and beyond to develop your leadership, is to embrace and lead disruption. Disrupt and disruption was kind of moving into buzzword status in 2018, 19. A lot of people were tired of hearing about it and what was associated with disruption. But we all truly got disrupted in 2020. And we also have seen a lot of positive things come out of the disruption that was created, which is typically true for disruption. When big change happens, people tend to step up, take and embrace the change that needs to occur, and often we develop things that are better than the way things were before. I want you, especially if you're a people leader, if you're a human resources or a talent acquisition leader, I want you to not only embrace disruption and change in the future, which I know is not comfortable, it's not comfortable for me either, but that's where true growth and opportunity lies. Being the one who is looking out into the future, seeing what the trends are, looking for ways to bring those into your workplace. I've long said to people, how do you move about the world as a consumer? What experiences do you value? What would make you write a review on TripAdvisor or Yelp for a great experience? What is your favorite type of tech that you use that makes your life easier? What are the products that your go-to's, et cetera? And to have that lens in your work as well. What are ways that we can think differently about doing even things that we're doing well today? True disruption is not being satisfied with the status quo. It's always looking for, is there a better way? It's always trying things. It's having pilots that you're running within your team, trialing different types of experiences or products or technology to impact the way you do your work and to hopefully make it better. Change is a constant, my friends, and again, I have to remind myself of this as well. I want you to stay curious and to seek out ways to lead change efforts again on your team and in your organization. And I'll recommend you listen to another Impact Makers episode if you haven't already. Episode number 63, Defining Return on Workforce Investment in the Future of Work with Dr. Alex Alonzo. One of the things I ask Alex, who spends his day job doing research on particularly people strategies in the future of work, I ask him what was the biggest area for growth and impact that he saw for HR leaders in particular in the future, and he said change agility the ability to roll with change, to lead change, to impact change in your organization. And I believe that's where you can truly make an impact in the future. So I wanted to keep this sort of short, again, not to share... Uh, Pie in the sky ideas that may or may not come true or to rehash old predictions that still haven't come true yet. Again, some of these are not new. These are things I've been saying for years and others certainly have as well. But if you're looking for some areas that you can think about as you are looking at your goal setting and how you can prepare yourself to make an impact in 2023 and beyond, I think these 10 areas, and again, they're all listed in the show notes and the links to the, the studies and the resources that I've shared are there for you. I'd love it if you actually tell me what you think maybe is one or two of these that you're going to focus on. So you can uh, message me on Instagram or tag me on LinkedIn, share this episode with someone that you think it might be helpful for. And I want to continue to be there for you as you prepare to lead and make an impact in 2023 and beyond. We'll see you here next week, Impact Makers. It's time for you to get noticed, create change and grow your influence.